Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the OTOT podcast. Today, we are talking about electric cars, and I'm Alex. I'm Ollie, and I hate electric cars. And I'm Jason, and I'm indifferent to them. And I love electric cars. So that's kind of the reason why we're having this conversation today. Tricari is not joining us because he doesn't know pretty much anything about electric cars. So this episode will be just as informative to him as it will be to hopefully you guys watching. So, Jason, I want to start with you. How much do you know about electric cars for you to say that you are indifferent? I would say... I know a little bit more than the average person. I'm not like super, I don't know, I don't keep up with the day-to-day, you know, news cycle about electric cars, but my mother is heavily invested into electric cars. She really likes one and is planning on getting one. And I've always just kind of been like, eh, eh, you know, they're they're whatever to me. It's just, uh, I don't like the way they look. You know, a lot of them, I blame Tesla with the egg shape. So that kind of just has been a, a turn off for me. Okay. Okay. Um, and Ali, how much do you know about electric cars to say that you hate them? Uh, I know. I think I'm like in the same boat as Jason. I know like a little bit above the, the average person, but, um, yeah. Um, some reasons why I don't like electric cars. One, the look. I, I hate that like companies think of futuristic and they think of that like like super the curvy line. They have egg shape. Like it's 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 horrible to me. Um also like some of the reasons why like like everyone's pushing for electric cars, like that's more fuel efficient or, oh, what am I trying to say? Uh, environmentally friendly, but uh, really it's it's not. And we can get into that later. I, I do want to get into that because it is, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so with that being said, um, I guess the first thing that you guys bring up is the look. And so the, you said that the look of electric cars is what's holding you guys back, most importantly? Yeah. So I, as somebody who likes cars, I, I, I think the aesthetic of a vehicle is one of the most important things. And um, like I like sharp lines in cars. I like hard angles pause um like you know like the way bmw's cars look audi is really good at it and modern hyundai has been really good at it but when i compare that to something like the mustang mach e which is very bulbous it kind of gives off like oh this is prey this is this is something that's slow giant bulbous compared to like What's an electric car I'm thinking of right now? Like the Polestar, which is a little bit more aggressive looking. And I'll drop a, a picture in here. I don't think I understand see. what you're saying. Um, you're saying that 
electric cars just have more more lines than it's not necessarily more lines it's like a design aesthetic so think of the tesla model 3 right Uh and how it's this you know it's a crossover i'm pretty sure three is the one that's no that's the sedan one right it's it's very i don't know how to describe it it just it looks big it looks unnecessary it looks just boring the best way to describe it is they look boring and then you compare that to something like but you said uh, hyundai uh, yeah hyundai so if you look at the hyundai electric cars I don't think the Hyundai electric cars like the Ionics. I think the Ionics are very cool looking. I mean, uh, I don't know if you if you've ever seen one of these. I'm just gonna find yeah, a picture. Ionic Six I've seen is them, the yeah. one I'm thinking of. I mean, or I Ionic Five. I don't understand. Uh, see, the thing to me is that I don't think that the design aesthetic for electric cars themselves has changed. I feel like the aesthetic for cars in general have changed to being more streamlined it's just that electric cars don't have the front radiator because there's no need to bring in that much air to cool what's not there the engine's not there anymore and so they don't have that radiator and so they can kind of point the nose a little bit more make it a little bit more aerodynamic and i think that's the biggest difference between electric cars and more modern uh, gasoline-powered cars, but I think that the rest of the body pretty much takes the same, like, aesthetic choices towards shape. Yeah. Say, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of, but, like, me me personally, aesthetically, it, it's not pleasing, um, and I guess it varies depending on uh, which brand you're going for, but, um, for the most part, it's like these electric cars are like designed with this futuristic model and like with like the narrow, narrow faces and um, they're like super curvy, like way too curvy for, for my liking. Um, And it, it's just it's just a little off putting. I I think I guess me personally, I'm just not ready for it. But if that's the way that like everything's going, then like I guess that's that's how it is. You right. know, and everything that you've described so far is in relation to pretty much the hood of the car, right? The front face and the hood of the car. Is that what you're saying? In terms of being too curvy, quote unquote, or too futuristic, in the sense of it being more aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah. I think for me personally, I, I put down pictures too, so hopefully you guys can visualize with me. And this is company, the same company, and the same badge of a car. So I put in the and. And maybe, I don't know if Alex can put this in the video, two Mustangs. Mm-hmm. You have the Mach- Mustang Mach-E versus the 2024 Mustang Dark Horse. They're both Mustangs. Well, but that's, one a, of them... that's an unfair comparison because the Mach-E <laughs> is an SUV where the Mustang is still a sports car. 
I, but that's exactly my point. I, I would have no issue if they made a Mustang that looks just like the Dark Horse and it was electric. Kind of like with the electric Dodge Right, Talon but to say that the aesthetics are different, of course they're going to be different. They're a different class of vehicle. I I understand, but why, you could, why make it a Mustang could, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't look like a Mustang? It's what I'm getting at. Right, but that has, nothing to, okay, kind of that has nothing to do with the fact that it is electric, right? That's a Ford I mean, marketing perspective that doesn't make sense to anybody but we we can we can compare it to the um explorer since those are both suvs i i think that the explorer looks way better than uh the mach e Hmm. okay or even uh to keep ford going what i really like that ford did with their electric truck the f-150 lightning just looks like a normal F one fifty, except like we were talking about earlier, it has it doesn't have the same radiator design in the front just because it doesn't need to allow the same amount of airflow. So it looks a little bit different in the front, but these are two that's an amazing looking truck, the F one fifty Lightning. Um, even though I don't like Ford's all that much, I do think that's a great looking truck. Even when you just compare it to the same uh to a never just normal F-150 Platinum, which I'm going to drop these images in. Right. Okay. So I guess my question to both of you then is, speaking about the Ford Explorer, the Ford Explorer is extremely boxy. It has a very flat hood, right? Um, which is inherently less aerodynamic, right? Uh, comparing that to the Mach-E, which, we, which is the comparison that Ali wanted to bring up, where the Mach-E does slope its nose downwards, Having that aerodynamic um, uh, shape towards the Mach-E is what allows it to have greater gas mileage because you're not driving essentially a wall against the wind, right? And so, to this is my question to Ali. Are you saying that just for you specifically, your aesthetic choice is for less aerodynamic vehicles, less performance, and that type of stuff? I mean, is is that are those are those two body shapes even is it even saving that much gas really? Um like if you just put an engine in the Maki body, like would would that save that much energy that much gas? Just just based on aerodynamics? That's a tougher comparison I mean, it, because you'd have to put a smaller engine in the Maki because the hood slopes down. You don't have that amount of room under the hood to put the engine. Let's but put it I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like um, it. I don't. I don't think it like makes. It would make that much of a difference if, um, like aerodynamics. Um, I feel like that matters more. Like when you're going. Like if you're going to the track, and like you're racing these cars. I think it would matter a little more then because like over there seconds make the difference. Um, but long term, I don't I don't think it saves you that many miles per gallon. This is I am looking at something which was a study by uh, General Motors 
which says reducing the drag coefficient by 0.01 changes the fuel economy of a car by 0.1 miles per gallon. So was it? That's like a 0.1 miles per gallon is what 10%? Yeah. So I I just I know we were talking about the Ford Explorer versus the Mach E, but I do think a better comparison would be the Lightning, the Ford F one fifty Lightning versus the standard one, just because they are the same exact vehicle, just one is electric and one is gas. Right. And I'm looking at the I was looking at the gas mileage of the of the Ford F one fifty. This is the twenty twenty three model. Because it gets up to 23 um, combined highway. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, 23 in the city. Mm-hmm. So 23. And then it has a, on the lowest end, a 23-gallon tank. So okay. that's about 529 miles. Is it, is, Alex, you're better at math than me. Is that math correct? <laughs> I, think, I think that math is sound. So you're gonna need about 525 miles uh, of okay. range in any direction. You compare that to the Ford F-150 Lightning, which is um, 320 miles. Mm-hmm. So, I, I my my biggest thing about when me and my mom discuss electric cars is just range anxiety, right? Like right. I and know I think that. that Oh, yeah. go ahead. Um, I do believe that range is an interesting topic to bring up because you're looking at a car that is not designed really for range. You're looking at a hauling truck, not a, not like a sedan or something like that. If Let's look at the average gas-powered car in the United States has a tank has a range of about 482 kilometers and we're looking at cars such as the uh, the Hyundai Kona the Chevrolet Bolt and the Kia e-nitro all match that in range all right so that's that, that's interesting so let, let's let's so let's let's run this all the way back to aesthetics, which is what we were talking about. Okay. Originally, just because I I want to I want to break this down in my head a little bit, and somebody can explain to me if I'm wrong or something, or I don't even range anxiety. I'm sorry, I'm tripping. I want to talk about range anxiety. So you're saying that on average, electric cars are meeting. On average, electric cars vehicles. are meeting the average gas-powered vehicles range. Yes. All right. So they're meeting the my my issue with that, and I have, it's not really that issue. My question to that is, but the main difference is we have an infrastructure that's built around gas-powered vehicles. Right. Right. And I was I, saying, I know, if we were having this conversation five years ago, then I would agree. But I mean, the Tesla Charger infrastructure is incredible. It's to the point where I believe in the entirety of the U.S., you should be able to get from one station to the other, like within a certain percentage of the average Tesla's range, which I think it's like 80% of the range or something, which is insane. Yeah, and that's very good, but that's Tesla. 
Like I know, I, don't, I think I'm pretty sure Ford is using the same type of chargers as Tesla. I think that was something I, I saw in the news, right? That they're most companies are, and if not, switching. they will sell adapters. Okay, so they will sell adapters because I know the big thing. My mom is a my mom loves Volvos. She's really interested in getting the Polestar, but she switches. She really wanted the Volvo electric vehicle. The big thing about the Volvo electric vehicle is that it's proprietary, as I understand it. So mm-hmm. you can't just use a Tesla charger. You know, right. if you couldn't charge it at home, my mom drives long distances too, back and forth from work. So. Yeah, I mean, even if she would be fine if she charged it every night, I know my mom, she wouldn't charge it every night. So why, like, the the issues of range continue to come up in my head because I know in my vehicle, I get 280 miles, and I know that I'm no more than two minutes away from a gas station. Right. right. Wait, wait, Jason, you, you get 280 miles for that Civic? Bro, you see how I drive. So. Okay, um, here's another statistic I want to bring I guess up. My is crazy. The average daily mileage in the United States is 30 miles. That's it. On average, yeah. every person is driving 30 miles a day. That is well within any range, essentially. You could bike that. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, it really does. The infrastructure question does come down to people who have longer commutes or who plan to travel a lot. Or even people who just live in rural areas, right? I mean, yes, to the sense of like going longer than 30 miles, but I don't think they're going to reach the range of their vehicle. Well, I'm just, am, am am I mean, Ollie can speak to this too. We wave at our old job that we had together. Sometimes the closest gas station, you know, was 40, 50 minutes away. These people were farmers. So they're the type of people, you know, they they need as much. They're the type of people who stock up on gas, you know. They go right. to the gas station and they'll fill up three or four jerry cans, go back to their house, and that'll be all the gas they need for a week. And I'm thinking, like, Will electric cars, what would be the equivalent to that in the electric vehicle market? Like what? what? Well, instead of having to stockpile gas, as you're saying, they would have a charger at their home. Maybe I didn't swear that. How much... Oh, you're going to say something? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's like that affordable for for a lot of people. Um Can I bring up to like install chargers yeah. in their home? Oh, to own the charger for You're sure. You're gonna prove me wrong. Yeah, uh, to like well, install we it. can talk about charger costs in a little bit, but a study by the Idaho National Laboratory determined that the distance traveled on one dollar for an electric vehicle doubled as compared to a gasoline vehicle. The electric vehicle averages about 43 miles per dollar, and the gasoline vehicle is about 18. So to say that it's cost-effective 
say it's less cost effective to go on electricity or to say it's more cost effective to go on electricity is wrong all right well, then I'm just saying the overall cost in uh, insurance of the vehicle. A lot of people can't afford that right now. Um, just like the price of everything is is going up, and it's it's like harder to 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 pay for like the basic stuff. And I feel like an electric car at this point in time is a luxury. Yeah, there's some uh, companies who are making uh electric cars that are more affordable or you can buy like used models but for the most part i don't think it's um it's that affordable for for most americans right and i do see what you're that. saying and not just that you can't maintain the vehicle yourself right yeah, like you have to be that is you do the basic maintenance the, ba- the most basic stuff, like changing your brakes and stuff, I assume. Right. Unless um, they're different. And a study by Car and Driver over a period of five years determined that the maintenance cost of an electric vehicle was the was one-third of the cost of a gasoline-powered vehicle. It's one-third the cost, but if you live in a rural, rural area, if I could say that correctly... If you live in a rural area, how much access do you have to that? Because I think for people who live in cities, I don't think electric cars are an issue at all. For most people who live in a city, like we discussed earlier, most people make the 30, the average drive is like 30 miles over the course of a day. I think people like me and you are going to be completely fine. I'm thinking about people who live in like the places I've driven through in Kentucky where you know, you're an hour away from your local Walmart when you need to go get groceries. Stuff like that, where people are not close to major, or even not even major cities, but smaller cities, where there might be people who can maintain the vehicle. Like, if you live in Kentucky in the middle of nowhere, and you got to drive two hours anytime your truck needs to be serviced, that that's intense. Right. Yes, I agree. Um, I'm not sure the statistics on rural areas, but I do know that Tesla's maintenance, you can bring it to the shop if you do have like extensive maintenance for like accidents and stuff like that. But for regular maintenance, they will send someone out to you to service the car. That's such, I did not know that. See, now that's interesting. Cause I, that, that helps people living in rural areas. Cause I think it's, uh. What is the year that they're saying everybody has to go electric in America? Wasn't it 2030? Or did they change it again? I am not certain on that. I know a lot of companies have pledged by 2030 they'll be carbon neutral, and so they'll be all electric for their fleets. But I don't know when the law will be for average American citizens. Let me just double check that. Wait, I have not heard about that. Um... So, like, pretty much everybody would have to, like, have or own a electric car. Like, if you yeah. live in the city, at least. Uh, what I'm reading from, this is direct from WhiteHouse.gov. President Biden has United Auto Workers and automakers to drive America's leadership of clean cars. He set an ambitious target of 
of electric vehicle sales share in the U.S. by 2030. So as I understand, they want 50% of all vehicles sold by 2030 to be electric. Um, and then accelerated adoption of electric vehicles for all private consumers and commercial fleets, including those who cannot reliably charge at their home, that can improve our air quality, reduce emissions, put our pass to a net zero emissions by no later than 2050. So it's... I think the whole goal is that all these industries will have to be net zero emissions by right, the year. But I don't think there's any law saying that the average American will yeah, have to have is, an electric. Yeah, as the way it's writing, it's new vehicles sold. They want 50% of them to be electric. There is no, you're not forced into it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I do want to bring up another point by uh, a, a study conducted by the U.S. Department of Energy, which says that when comparing electric vehicle versus gas car cost, the cumulative cost of ownership, which is including the price of buying it and maintaining it and fueling it at around four and a half years of owning the car is when the electric becomes cheaper than the uh, gas-powered vehicle. So as long you said as you four and a half years. On, so as long as you plan on having your car for longer than four and a half years, you will be spending less to own and maintain the electric car than the um, gas-powered vehicle. All right. So I, I do have a question because I know Alex is more in the engineering side. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we currently have the infrastructure to allow for a a major switch to electric vehicles. No. And by the infrastructure, no, not I yet. mean like, when do you think that will be a possibility? Um, because that's also a big issue for me is that I know, I just know for a fact, we don't have the infrastructure to support it. That is a great question. It is surprisingly growing at a rate that I was not I expecting. Think, Sorry, go ahead. I, I think, uh, I think we will have the infrastructure relatively soon just because there is a big push to go like all electric and fuel efficient. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be, uh, I'm going to say 2027, 2028 will be around there. I think that 2030 is probably what the government is calculating, which is why they're, standards are to push companies towards carbon neutrality by 2030 because they wouldn't enact those laws if they didn't think that the infrastructure would be there for them to still survive at that point. And so um, it could be earlier for people, especially in um, very urban areas, like Ali was saying, 2027, 2026, maybe, maybe not, who knows. But I think across the U.S., 2030 is probably the better date. And I do want to make that point that while I say I love electric cars, I understand that it is not the right idea for most people right now. I think that by 2030, it would be the better idea for everybody to have an electric car. But as of right now, there are certainly reasons why people should not be getting electric cars just because of that infrastructure problem and the general cost of cars for um electric vehicles being significantly higher than 
gas-powered vehicles, especially on secondhand markets. Yeah. What, what, um, so, you know, after you get outside of all the arguments about affordability and cost, I, I, I do think that a lot of what I see uh, just on the internet is still going back to our first conversation about aesthetic is, is the main thing that people just can't get behind these electric vehicles. I don't know. I don't know particularly. I know personally for me why that is. I and I, I don't. Excuse me. I know personally for me why that is. But I've always kind of like Alex. You, if you were given the choice today, would you get an electric vehicle? If given the choice today, I would. Mm. But it's because and, I don't drive very much. Um, for me, given the choice today, I would prefer a hybrid vehicle just for the option to drive longer distances. However, I think by the time that it does come for me to need to get a car, I'll be pushed more towards getting something at least partially electric. Partially electric. Okay. And then my my next question for you is, as if you were to buy an electric vehicle, which aesthetic do you prefer? I know you're talking about like I, I call it the egg shape, you know. They mm-hmm. all kind of like these half eggs. Mm-hmm. It, it, is aesthetics important to you in your purchasing decision? Um, or do you, I would or say just yes, they are important, but I don't think they're extremely important. I mean, it, going off of like pure electric vehicles right now, I would prefer an SUV. And so looking at something like the Mustang Mach-E, which is probably a little bit smaller of an SUV than I would like, it's a little bit more compact. Um, But I mean, look at something like a Rivian, right? I think the, I don't know what the Rivian. I do like the the R1T. Yes, the the R1S. I hate the look. The Rivian R1S, I think, is a, a very beautiful looking car. You, Which you don't like the way goes the against my like, entire I'll... point of talking about having a flat front, but it does have an angled nose. <laughs> yeah. So, the, so Ollie, you don't like the Rivians at all? No. Um, I that's another thing, like the the headlights and uh, light bars, like the light bar on the what is it, the Ford um, Lightning. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't like it. Um, in the Rivian with like those circle headlights, I I really don't like circle headlights. I don't know. I don't know why. It's just me personally. Um, what I'm getting from Ali is that he's very traditionalist and aesthetic. Yeah, I, you like seeing that. I am. Um, I I like, do like that. You like I, the, seeing bulbs versus LEDs and seeing more boxy or um, flat-faced designs versus streamlined or uh, curved. I mean, I, I, I like... It, it's a different kind of uh, streamlining that I, I think that I'm, I'm just not with. Um, 
I'm going to try to find some picture examples and send it so we can, we can look at that, but, um, yeah, I, I, I do yeah. think it just, it just comes down to an aesthetic thing for most people. Cause and, I'm looking at, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish what you're going to say. Yeah. I was, I'm looking at a 2024 list of electric vehicles coming out and we're looking at something like the Buick Electra, the Fiat 500e, which just looks the same. Um, the Honda Prologue, the Jeep Wagoneer S, and my 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 genuine question is: Why do we all have to be crossover SUVs? That that's what gets me is they're all crossover that's the SUVs. Most popular selling car class in America. I I and I think I think that's another problem I have with it because a crossover just has such a specific look to it that I think personally is ugly. Like if we're getting electric hatchbacks and electric coupes and electric, we are getting electric trucks and electric bigger SUVs, which we only get some of. I I don't think I would have a much. I think each of those have such a, a specific design language, where it wouldn't matter. But I think these electric electric cars have fallen into the Tesla kind of looking design language, and but they all kind of base their cars off of that. I think Volvo. Is one of the few who don't. Volvo has a very specific brand language that they follow. That even in their electric vehicles, they, you could tell easily that they're Volvos. But I'm looking at something like the Volkswagen ID7 and the Porsche Macan EV and the Jeep Wagoneer. I bet you if you took all the badging off of that, people would not be able to tell the difference. And I think that is also like an aesthetic problem. Honda Prologue is the same. Like they, these are aesthetic problems that I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be negative things for the market because I also think the electric car market is becoming oversaturated as well. Right. Yeah. I think a, a lot of these. I I love innovation, right? But a lot of these startup companies that exist and never get a product off the ground, they bring all electric cars down. Because it's a, it's like not all people like to say all publicity is good publicity. Well, if you're looking at the news, if you're the average American, you're looking at the news and it's like, oh, this electric car company failed. This electric car company never delivered their products. Tesla announced a Cybertruck like four years ago. Where is it at? I look at that and I'm like, why would I buy an electric vehicle? I know that GMC is going to come up with a new a new truck every year on the dot and it's going to be available for me the minute I walk into dealership. Right. And the question is how much innovation is going to go into that truck if they have to put it out every year for, I like to equate it to the iPhone, right? Looking at the iPhone 15 versus the 14, I mean, software wise, yes, it is significantly better. There's higher processors in there. But if you look at the design of the iPhone, when did when was the last time the iPhone design changed? About five years ago, right? Yeah. I think it was like the eleven, the ten or the eleven was like the last. Yeah, they change, went from rounded. Right? They went from rounded curves to uh, to uh, back to the yeah, which is even a change. They just went back to the iPhone five, right? They just went back to the to right. the box. And so, forms. what I'm saying is. If you look at something, if you look at cars like their phones, 
And cars that come out every year with a new model, they're taking baby steps forward. They are taking steps forward, but they're not taking these big leaps that these concept cars are making, right? Mm-hmm. But they also sell the most, right? That's true. Yeah, I, you know, like, I have an iPhone, and I completely agree with you. They, Apple hasn't innovated in a long time per, and, and stuff I like, but, you know, I still go out there and buy that phone every right. two years. I And, you know, people go out and buy those GMCs every couple of years, and, like, people go and buy Call of Duty every year, right? Right, but by 2K, your own account, I, you like innovation. That is what you said. Yeah. I, I can say in this moment, I'm being a hypocrite. I like innovation, but I buy the same products over and over again. Okay. Right. I, I think I think, I think think the average person is a hypocrite more than they like to admit. Okay. okay. I do want to bring up an interesting uh, little question for you guys. Or I guess it's not a question, just more like a, a thought experiment for you. Um, we're talking about how electric cars aesthetically is the biggest turnoff for Jason and Ali. And my question is, how long do you think it'll take for it to continue to look like this before you guys will accept it, right? And I want to equate it to cars from the 1900s to like the 1940s and the 50s, right? The Model T came out in 1908, and that general design remained the only design for cars' body shape until 1930. It took 20 years for cars to come up with a new body shape. Do you think it's just you guys having your own biases and fear of change, which is what's preventing you from understanding and accepting the aesthetic of cars now i'll let ollie go first um how long it would take for me to accept that i i i feel like i'll accept it when there's no other option and i'm just like forced to to choose it you know um but uh like jason was saying with volvo I love Volvo. I love the look of the cars. And I like that they're not doing the same um, the same basic futuristic body shape that everybody else is doing. So I would go with the Volvo. Um, would you say that Volvo not is solely for that traditional reason. approach to their... Yeah, yeah okay. they are. It's like yeah. the, the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think, I think for me, um, I I think it'll be very I can I'll very quickly warm up to it because I do I am seeing like companies mix it up, like the Dodge the electric Dodge Challenger, it looks just like it, it has the same body lines of the Challenger, but don't but you can tell you can also tell it's an electric vehicle right, but the essence of a Dodge Challenger is still there. Lamborghini is coming out with an electric vehicle, and I think it said 2028 is when it'll be ready. That, it looks like a Lamborghini, but it's also an electric vehicle, and it's kind of, it's not a sports car, 
hypercar. It's a supercar, I should say, but it's still, it's more like a crossover, but still, it has the same lines that define it as a, a Lamborghini or a Hummer EV. It looks like a Hummer. I think a lot of the issues I have personally is that when companies bring it back forward as an example, will say, hey, you really excited for an electric Mustang? And it doesn't look anything like a Mustang. And it's like, why even call it a Mustang at that point? It can be something new. It can be something different, which is why I think a lot of the, a lot of electric car companies are finally, uh, traditional car manufacturers are finally understanding. It's like, we can do electric vehicles. They don't need to be, we don't need to steal names from already well, you know, popular vehicles and not pay homage to that. We can make something new. Okay. And uh, also, like, we need, I, I do think electric cars drive innovation. I think in this conversation we have is going to be entirely different in like two years. Nah, I'm sticking my guns. <laughs> I think I think a lot of things. I, the car industry right now is going at such an advanced rate, man. I think everything's going to look different. And I, I think in five years, was it's 2023 now, by 2028, Everything is going to look completely different. The way our phones look will be different. The way the way cars look will be different. The way most things look will be different. Because I think a lot of stuff is becoming so much, so technology-focused, right? We're putting tablets in cars now. Nobody's buying tablets anymore, so guess what? We're going to force them in your vehicle. So I think it's just the whole design of everything is going to change. Right, right. And... We can get into this in a little bit, but the design will change significantly when steering wheels and pedals are taken out of cars, right? It's no longer going to be about facing forward. It could be designed more as a comfortable like lounging area where you don't have to look forward while you're driving because the car will drive itself. Yeah, but, I, I, I oh, think society at large is just not... Right. We'll get to that. We will get to that. We will get to that. Before we get to that, I want to talk to Ali one more time about the environmental impact. You said another thing that holds you from accepting electric vehicles is you said that they don't actually have a environmental impact advantage. Uh, Small scale, personally... I think they do, or you'll you'll feel it more. But like on a global scale, lithium batteries hurt the environment so much, uh, and they really hurt third world countries because that's where most lithium mining is. Um, there's thousands of people who die every day in lithium mines, and they also pollute water. So that's thousands more that you're uh, killing with pollution. I think from from that perspective, that's why I'm saying it's not environmentally friendly. Right. Okay, I do understand that. Um, 
And I, and I, how, I understand you could also you make the, that compares to the environmental impact of lithium mining versus of oil fracking. Yeah, I was, I was just getting to that. Like you could, you could say the same thing, uh, with, uh, fracking also pollutes the waters, um, and destroys the environment. Um, and kills people. Yeah. Uh, I think honestly, we, as a society, we just need to find a better solution. I don't know what that solution is, but there's smarter people than me who are working on that. Um, and I just, I think we're, we're trying to take a step in the right direction, but we need to like, just take a couple more. And so you're saying that because lithium mining is so environmentally detrimental that we should not and in favor continue doing the equally environmentally detrimental oil fracking? Well, no. Yeah. Jason, you want to? Yeah. Maybe I can explain this point. I think what he's saying is we're replacing the devil we know for the devil we don't, right? Like, the yeah. the negative effects that we that coal mining and, and uh, diesel and carbon dioxide and all that stuff, we at least are, are understand the effects of that. But when you switch to something completely new, even though in the short term we understand is better, I don't know anything about the more long term research, but I can understand that uh, in the short term that there's lots of benefits, but we don't know what that can say in the long term. And especially once you understand kind of how these things are made, how it's all the other people it negatively affects, right? Like replacing coal mines for lithium mines, right? Like, right. I, I think and there are other things to that, to change I would like to well. say that uh, I'm looking at a Climate Connections website from Yale, which says that lithium mining is a about five times less detrimental to the environment than coal mining. I I just I personally I don't understand how they can say that because we don't know we're not at the economy of scale yet for it, right? Right, but like, you're talking we're not about then. I believe they're comparing tons of carbon dioxide released per whatever yield. Interesting. So, all right. And, Rick, you repeat that statistic again? It said five times less. Five times less. But that's at the current scale it's going at right now, correct? Yes. Or is that like a projected scale? All right. So, if it's five times less, how do we compare that? Like, my whole thing is once you start, if it's five times less, well, how how will that affect it in ten years? When you know, I think in Europe, this they're forced twenty thirty five electric vehicles only. So when all of Europe has to switch, the EU, I should say, when all of the EU has to switch to electric vehicles, well, I, I'm I personally thinking, and just from what I know about statistics and math, that five times lead is just going to diminish more and more until it gets back to the same amount of impact 
I don't know if Luffy and Bonnie could ever catch up to... Uh, in that sense, for it to have the same amount of impact, it would be at a scale of five times greater production than Cole is or has ever been. That's what... I do want to clarify that, right? Mm. All right. You're just saying that... Uh, you're saying that with scale we are going to be causing more uh, or the same amount we're going to be causing the same amount of carbon dioxide released or energy used or whatever it is that they're qualifying in this statistic but that would be towards a yield of five times as great yes uh, yeah the way you said that I think that's what I'm saying kind of like how I think about like because going back to what we talked about, infrastructure, infrastructure is in there. We have lots of places in America that still use coal power plants. Or I don't think everybody has switched to nuclear and you know more renewable forms of energy. So there's a lots of things. I think there's a lots of things that we have to hit first before we can get there. Right. Because we gotta we gotta right. build the infrastructure first, then we can talk about this. Like we need to get that all. We need to get that there before we can start worrying about everything else. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and so, uh, I guess to Ali, then, with that statistic in mind, does that change your opinion? Uh, No, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go with Jason on this and say, we're, we're just not ready for the production it would take to, to get to that fifty percent mark that the U.S. wants, and what was it like? all sales of EVs for uh, the EU. It's and 2035. Yeah, I just... I think the impact would be, like, too too great for the environment. Yeah, like, like we said earlier, people in cities will be fine. It's... It's everybody... I think it's people outside of the large cities who are going to be the most, the most negatively impacted. And you know, there's still going to be people who are like going to stick to gasoline, uh, maybe because where they live, the infrastructure isn't the best for electric cars, and um like they they may not have any other choice but to stick with gas and diesel and this is only going to like raise the prices of gas and diesel so it's going to hurt them more right right but when it comes to technology the question is never if but when right we will have that infrastructure yeah i understand that but, yeah, we will have the infrastructure, but it's 
what what is it going to take to get there? What what else are we going to have to give up, right? We're so we're going to have to give up something. We don't know what it is yet, but there's going to be there's going to be some major change because this is things like this when they happen. This is a major change, not just for people, but for industry at large too. So like, what else is going to have to change to make it sustainable? I think a lot of people, they talk about and they think about, but now, they don't think about the, the, the future. Because as cars get more and more advanced, the people people like me, like, hey, I can do an oil change, but we're not going to be able to do our own oil change. Number one, because electric cars don't have oil. But number two, it's going to be like, I am not an electrical engineer. Something messes up on my car. I'm confused. Hey, I don't want the car to catch that fire. I'm confused. Like, what? What do I do? And you can only take it to a Tesla shop. That's like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. But what are the other negative consequences? I think is are what people are missing out on. So you're worried about dependency? Not just dependency, but like, like I, I know that if something happens in my car, I can go to any shop and take care of it. If something were to happen to an electric car, I'm SOL. Unless I can take it back to... Yeah, okay, I guess, yeah. I'm dependent on the manufacturer. Okay. I'm too... I don't like being... I'm too dependent on the manufacturer for everything. That's a personal thing for me. I don't know if everybody prescribes that. That that is a personal thing for me. I just don't like being too dependent on other people to work with my vehicle okay okay and so talking about depending on other people let's talk about one of the biggest i think and most controversial topics in relation to electric vehicles which is self-driving right how do you both of you and we'll start with i guess ali how do you feel about self-driving um, I, I think it's a good idea. Um, I don't trust people to drive. Like, isn't isn't driving like the one of the leading causes of death in like the world? Right. I don't trust human drivers, but I don't think um, right now electric or automated driving is is at the point where we can really just trust. A computer, especially a computer trying to adjust for every human driver out there and the stupid mistakes that we make. Um, but I feel like as as we get more and more automated cars out there and as technology gets better, then that's definitely the way we should go. Right. Okay. But yeah, but right now. You're saying right now you would not get behind the wheel of an electric of a electric self-driving vehicle. Yeah, if it if it's like that, like partial self-driving, where like every I'm saying, I'm saying let's talk about um, automation. Like fully, I believe there's five automated. levels. Five levels of automation, I believe. Level two is where it's you can keep your hands off the wheel, but you have to be attentive on the road. Or no, sorry. Level two is 
power steering. Sorry. Level two is power steering. Keep your hands on the wheel, please. That's every car in America, <laughs> and pretty much every car in existence. <laughs> level three is take your hands off the wheel. Um, keep attentive to the road. Keep your feet on the pedals. Level four, I believe, is where you can take your eyes off of the road. And then level five is like, level four is take your eyes off the road in fair conditions. And then level five is take your eyes off the road entirely. Like turn the seat backwards and... Pretty much, yeah. So like level four is like dry, sunny day, high visibility. You can take your eyes off the road. And then five is like, it's raining, it's super wet you can still trust that the car will drive itself uh, I, I have a, I have a no, question about yeah. that yep would y'all trust that is that something that y'all can trust personally i can't i i would be scared um, to death like i i need I, to be in control right right and so i do have what an interesting question for the both of you and i want to see what you guys would say so like in the hypothetical sense of you need to send your child somewhere what would it take for you to put your kid in a self-driving car by themselves this is and i say your child as in someone who like couldn't drive the car on their own if they had to what would that take for like you? like a 10 year old like yeah. we're not talking babies we're talking like 10 a not like three or four correct I mean, we could talk about three and four. I'm saying someone who could not drive the car if they had to on their own. What would it take for you to put them in the car themselves without you? I I, I think I think the I, whole road system would have to change for that. I I there should there could be no at that point there have to be all self driving cars and only things allowed. I don't know if I could trust putting putting a child in that type of scenario. Without me being there, if if I was there, no issues. For me personally, it would be like, it would have to be a brand that like, is like makes really safe cars first. They have to have like a really good track record um, with that self-driving capability. And man, I don't know. I would have to like, have been driven in that car many times using that uh, self-driving capability to to trust it. Cause I know like at first, even me personally, I'm going to like be a little shaky on it just cause it's something new. I don't, I don't know it yet, but in the future, I'd probably, I'd probably like, like be okay with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like and if so, it was my personal self-driving vehicle, yeah, I don't know if I could put them in like, like a Uber that was a self-driving vehicle. I don't know if I could, but my own personal self-driving vehicle, the one that I get in, and I know it's mine, mm-hmm. I would be way more open to that rather okay. than like a public one. So you're saying that they would have to be with somebody who could take control if something went wrong. Right. It doesn't have to be you, but they would have to be with somebody who could control the car if something went wrong. Yes. Yeah, I would prefer that. Okay. And well, this leads me to my next way. question. Ready? Um, how often do you take an elevator? I always take the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, I, I don't. I don't take an elevator that much, but 
I get the if, point you're making. <laughs> because in like, the elevator, you have absolutely zero control over that elevator. If it falls, there is nothing you can do to stop it. But the data and some there's so much testing, there's so much data, everything tells us that it is safe and is continuous to prove that it is safe. And yet you're saying that there is no way you would put somebody in a car even if the data was telling you that it was safe. I mean, we can't really compare a car and an elevator. There's there's so I'm many more factors. In the future, that we have this data that is telling us the people have approved this car for production. They are on the road. People are doing full level five self-driving, right? The safety and the regulations are all there. That's right. You're still yeah. saying that you would have to have somebody in the car that could take control. Yes. Personally, yeah. yes. And I get what your point you're making about the elevator. I think the important thing about the elevator is it gives you the false sense of control, right? When I go in the elevator, I'm the one who clicks the button to make it go up. I might not do anything else, but I'm the one who touches the button. It goes to about the floor I chose. I feel like if it's an electric car, and all I do is I get in and I push the button, and it, the pedals move by, it probably wouldn't even have pedals that I could see. It does all that by itself. I, I can't even ride roller coasters, man. I, I like It scares me. I need that level, much level of control of whatever I'm in. I need to be able to stop it when I want to, and go when I want to, turn when I need to. I, I don't like Not being in control of whatever situation I'm in, Personally speaking, is like a crazy thing for me, which is why I can't get behind self-driving cars. Now I get, I think that once there's the infrastructure and the regulations and the safety, where I know, without a shadow of the doubt, that I already know that most accidents are always human error. But if we're if we're in like a society that's it's mixed. Well, that's not true, saying that accidents are always human error. There's a significant proportion of bicycle accidents, or uh, vehicle and bicycle accidents attributed to Tesla self-driving. I would recommend anybody anybody who wants to ride a bike, do not ride anywhere near a Tesla. For whatever reason, in the past, (laughs) um, this is a a legitimate thing that has happened. For some reason... The algorithm that it uses to recognize people does not recognize bicycles as well as it recognizes pedestrians or cars. And there's a significant um, increase in bicycle accidents. Well, I, I was speaking more towards, you know, once we get to like, what is it, level five self-driving. I'm talking about that few, not now, currently. Okay. But in a world where it's like mixed, there are some self-driving cars and some human control vehicles. I don't know. My anxiety would be through the roof. Because I know, I know my electric bike not my electric, but my self-driving vehicle. I know it's not my fault, but any crazy dude can run that red light and slam it aside of me, you know? Right. But okay. if it's all self-driving, then obviously there's a lot less to worry about. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so are you saying that even if you were to have like a level five self-driving vehicle, you would like, even if it's a placebo, um, Steering wheel and pedals. Yeah, even just as a safety thing, like oh, I can, I can put it back in manual mode in case of emergency. Oh, I was saying that in the sense of 
there's a steering wheel and pedals, but they would do nothing. No, oh, and they I would do nothing. I, 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 I don't know about that. At that point, I'd rather just travel. Okay. I, I, yeah, if they do nothing, and they literally are just there for aesthetics, then I'd be like, well, what if there's an emergency? And I'm okay. over here trying to, to mess with the steering wheel and it does literally nothing. Okay. I'm just trying to equate it to the uh, stop elevator. button in an elevator, right? Yeah. While the elevator stop button works while the elevator is functioning properly, if it's not functioning properly, that stop button does not do anything. Yeah. But that is the level of like perceived safety that they add into the elevator in order to give people a sense of security because they know they can stand behind their data. And well, so, crazy thing. Yeah, go ahead. You just told me I didn't know if the stop button really didn't do anything. So now I'm going to be less likely to get in the I elevator. Mean, if you're I falling, you press it. If, you're, if the elevator is falling and you press the stop button, it's not going to make it stop falling. Yeah, but at least I feel like it does. Like, that, that, that's the thing. Like, I, I get what you're saying. If they put it in the vehicle, I, I, my, my main issue with the example of the steering wheel and pedals is because somebody who's, who doesn't know would perceive that as a safety feature. Like, oh, in the case of an emergency, I can mess with the steering wheel. But if the steering wheel doesn't do nothing, and I'm over here trying to control a spin, twisting the steering wheel, and it doesn't do anything, I feel like that's worse off. I feel like there's okay. better ways to iterate that false sense of security. Okay, I get that. Okay, and I do want to make the point that the stop button does work if the elevator is functioning properly. If, for whatever reason, the elevator is not falling and you want to stop it, you can press the stop button and stop it. I want to, I want to give you that sense of security, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please, please. Uh, I think I'll get in the elevator and I will be stuck there for years because I'm not getting, I'm not getting. If the place I gotta go only got an elevator, I'm gonna climb, climb those hundred stories or wherever I'm. Okay, know, it's gonna have to be done. Okay. All right. Um, I, I guess I want to share my opinion on it, which is different than yours. And as long as that data is there, I do not think we are there. I want to make that very clear. I do not think we are there. I think we are years away. But as long as we have the data and it's been proven and we've seen trials and uh, closed testings and showing that there is like the achievement of level five self-driving, I don't think I would have an issue of putting somebody who could not drive behind the car or in the car without me. You, you, you just have a lot more faith in the science and statistics than I, I guess I do. I guess, I mean, you know, I, I don't think anything is always exact. Right. It's, you know, there's always, what is it? Like the margins of error. And some things like, oh my gosh, sorry. The margins of error when it comes to people's lives, even if it's just that 1% chance, me personally, I wouldn't take that chance. I, I know that a lot of people would, and a lot of we already do in a lot of, a lot of instances. But if I know, and there's just a 1% chance that you know something could go wrong, I don't know if I could take it. Okay. No, I, I get that. All right, and with that, I think that is all that I had to talk about electric cars today. I want to revisit 
both of your initial statements, and I want to see what your sentiments are now that we've had this conversation. Do you still believe that electric, do you still hate electric cars, Ali? Jason, are you still indifferent? What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I still don't like electric cars. Um, I just don't think we're ready for it right now, at least as as big as the government's like pushing it and like everyone's really like pushing it. I don't think we're ready for that. But I do like the idea and I do understand like that's that's that is the future, but For me personally, it's not, it's not it. Yeah, I'd say I'm still, I'm still indifferent, but a lot of my issues aren't on the technology or the environmental side. A lot of it is purely aesthetic. Okay. Okay. Well, is there anything else you guys want to say? Um... Elon Musk sucks. Tesla sucks. Everybody, go please support somebody else. Delete, delete your Twitter account. Delete it. Twitter doesn't exist. I'm sorry, Jason. It's X. Oh, sorry. My fault. Well, yeah, delete your X account. Delete your X account. Okay. Delete your X's account off your phone, too. She's not coming back. <laughs> While you're at it. Okay. All right. Ali, you have anything to add? Uh, oh, I will say one thing. Um, a big uh, safety thing with like the batteries getting like punctured and like car accidents and stuff and like causing really bad fires. Um, I would say that's that's a big safety thing. That's why what I was like uh, trying to get at at like having a really reliable and safe cars. Um, I don't want to die in a fire. Uh, that's probably the worst way to go out. Um, right. Yeah. So I, and I do understand that like electric cars are more sturdy, generally safer than, um, than any other car out there. But I would just like to have that like reassurance that like that battery is like safe and like puncture proof and won't catch on fire just in case uh some somebody hits me or high like go off the road or something right right and i don't know any sort of statistics about this but um how would you think that would compare to like gasoline fires because gasoline is equally as flammable, if not more flammable than lithium. Dang, golly. He just hit you with something. <laughs> <laughs> he just hit you with the fact. <laughs> um, I I don't I don't have the numbers right now, but I don't, um, I don't know. It could be I, it, it could be it, the fact that it, there's more lithium in electric cars and there is gasoline in um uh, in fuel powered cars. So that's what's the cause yeah. of the fires. I I really don't know what it is. And I think it's also like the 
the type of car as well, just like the way it's made. Some cars are safer than other than others. Uh, I'm sticking my Volvo too. They are like the safest cars in the world. You're gonna buy a car, buy a Volvo. Um, well, my mom's got them. Oh, for real? See, yeah, your mom's a smart woman. Yeah, drives Volvos. Tell her I said yeah. that. I, I will. I'll tell her right now. Mother! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, thank you guys so much for joining me and having this conversation. And thank you for listening. This was the OTOT podcast episode on electric cars. Join us next week where we are talking about uh, what are we talking about next week? That should be up. Me and Jose talking about Starfield. Starfield. Okay. How, how, yeah. how far through the game are you? I I I completed it yesterday. Okay. I, I, All right. I have completed the main quest. So. All right. So oh, yeah. have good. your full experience on Starfield next week. And yep. thank you guys. Remember to follow us on Instagram and X at OTOT Pod and Threads at OTOT Pod. We're we're trying to save Threads. Um, follow us on <laughs> YouTube. <Go> ahead. <laughs> That's right. If you if you have any questions, yes. uh, you feel free to DM us or email us uh, at ototpod at gmail.com. The email right? is our thoughts on this podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah, if you if you DM my personal account, you are getting ignored. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. I think that goes for all of us. Yes. Do not DM yeah. us on our personal I, accounts. I will not ignore you. Um, make sure to follow him on Buff Bailey. That's what he'll get back. To. Yeah, <laughs> he'll he'll respond to your Buff Bailey, but not on his personal. <laughs> All right, go support my man. He's Buff. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Love you.